You are listening to The Mend Podcast. I'm Joe Roeder, and I spend my life on the water and in the field. As a fly fishing guide and outfitter, I have spent decades personally honing my skills and helping other people improve theirs. My goal is to help listeners learn from my mistakes and successes. This podcast is brought to you by Red's Fly Shop, the best place to get outfitted for your next big adventure. The Men Podcast. Here we go. It's been a while. Uh, so much has happened since I touched in last. Thank you for listening. Uh, hope to deliver some good content to you today. Uh, as far as instructional stuff, with a little focus on Trout Spay. Just coming off this Trout Spay rendezvous that we did this last Saturday, which was just mind-blowing for me. I mean, I learned so much. It is such a joy watching somebody who's an absolute master of their craft teach and explain not like buddy to buddy and like like some of the the presenters there teaching me might talk differently but explaining it in a very uh just raw and meticulous basic format that they use with uh with beginners is like I learned a ton. It was really great, very enlightening. The back end of the podcast, I'm really going to touch on a lot of the stuff I learned that I think would be valuable for you, whether you're trout spay fishing or not. Doesn't matter. A lot of it's just good, solid fishing intel on how to uh, elevate your game, uh, learn core fundamentals, and uh, I will talk about flies and sinking lines, leaders, etc., and some presentation strategies that whether you're spay caster or not are very relevant to anybody who's uh, fishing on moving water. So that event was absolutely killer. Um, as always, I want to run through some new stuff. I think it's important for you to kind of know what's going on uh, at Reds. Uh, that's what allows me to do the podcast. It's not sponsored or anything like that, but just kind of what we're doing, what I've been up to. Uh, number one, our restaurant, Canyon River Grill. If you live in the Northwest, you're going to visit Reds. you got to know about our restaurant. It is unbelievable, but we're finally open seven days a week uh, for lunch in the fly shop slash grill compound. So we added, uh, we modified our outdoor patio space. Uh, our, our patio or our deck was beautiful when the weather was nice, but anytime it would start to blow, rain, snow, oh, it was tough. Um, everybody'd have to move inside and we don't have a lot of indoor seating. I mean, the highlight of our restaurant and our shop is that it is in the canyon with a beautiful view. So we... Uh, invested a pretty pretty significant chunk of dough to get this uh, this outdoor deck space turned into kind of a hybrid indoor-outdoor. So we can dine out through 365 days a year. When it's nice, we can roll up these beautiful glass garage doors. And um, yeah, really, really nice uh, spot. So with that, we we, we got to get more diners in there. So we're open for, for lunch 11 to 4 every day. So if you're just coming through the canyon, you're coming out here to shop, get a casting lesson, um, do a guide trip, try to squeeze in a nice lunch at the grill. And we're opening for dinner on Monday night, um, so which is great. So if you're planning like a guide trip or a visit out here and you want to you wanna be on the river on a day uh, where there's less people, but you still want to enjoy like having that awesome dinner at the grill, which is spectacular. I mean, just read our open table, Yelp or Google reviews, and you'll know that it's a spot. <laughs> you want to you want to come dine here. 
But anyway, um, Mondays we're open for dinner now. It'll be a little bit quieter, uh, probably more fishing focused and more local locals in there uh, than dining tourists. We get a lot of foodies and dining tourists uh, in the restaurant on that Thursday through Sunday program. So anyway, enough about the grill. You can also order lunch to go. You can order a beer during the day now, which has like been a huge uh, kind of hospitality obstacle for people just coming through the canyon midweek. So check out the grill. Got to get here. Uh, Got to do that. The other thing I want to touch on. So I did a survey on our Instagram story, and I realized that could be potentially a small audit. I didn't look and see how many people filled out the survey, but it was pretty significant because I watched the numbers um, shift really fast at first, and then they started to shift much more slowly as people continued to answer the survey. But the survey was for how many people have actually taken a, a casting lesson, like a formal casting lesson was the note. And it was shocking that 78% of people have not taken a formal casting lesson. And I cannot emphasize enough, and I don't really, I'd prefer it was with Reds, but I don't really care whether it's with Reds or another fly shop or a local casting instructor. I think you should buck up and spend a few bucks and get a formal lesson. Uh, I had I still get tons of formal lessons. Uh, I had a lot of formal lessons when I was in college. I was fortunate enough to be enrolled in a PE program at Central Washington University where I later graduated. Thank God I got hooked on fly fishing. It was There was a pivotal time there where I might not finish. Um, but I ended up getting done in three years and two quarters uh, just so that I could go guide more. I was I was ready to be, I enjoy academics, but I was ready to be done. Anyway, the point is, my casting and fishing today, I attribute a large part of that to having ongoing continued casting instruction. Because when you can cast well and you understand the cast, a bunch of different things happen. One, your, your cognitive effort that's placed on catching fish versus how to cast changes so now we're using our brain power towards hey how do i get these fish where's my shadow how is my fly landing am i using the right fly etc you're more efficient you cover water at 10 times the rate when you're a good caster Um, there's less frustration you can move up and down the river around the lake etc and just flat out cover water much better when you can become a good caster so that's number one I don't care what else you do. I don't care your, what brand of rod you have, the knowledge of flies, hatches, that kind of stuff. Just get good at casting. It's the number one thing you can do. And I, I travel around the world, and I ask every single guide in a foreign country, hey, what what is the number one thing people can do to be better prepared? And if they told me they need better flies, I get them better flies. Um, if they told them they need to learn how to hook set better, I've heard that once or twice from tarpon guides, but overwhelmingly it is they need to be able to cast better when they show up in not just a foreign country, but a new spot and they want to catch some fish. So get casting lessons. I'm doing casting lessons this Sunday, April 2nd. I realize it's kind of short notice for this podcast. Uh, This is 2023, by the way, if you're listening to this old stuff. Uh, and I'm doing them for 29 bucks. If there's space, get in there. I'm doing a beginner session at 11 and then an advanced intermediate at 12.30. And I will give you a sneak peek. I'm also going to be offering those on April 16th, uh, same time frame. But I haven't posted them yet because I need to get 
this other section full and I'm only taking 10 anglers per time frame. So space is limited and I promise you, you will get a lot out of it because I will teach you how to teach yourself and, and give you some really great information. I'm not gonna walk around and nag you about what your wrist is doing or your elbow is doing. I'm gonna teach you how to get that cast that you always dreamed about. And then your fishing is going to get a lot better and you're gonna have a lot more fun because I will eliminate the frustration factor for you. But that blew my mind. 78% of people spending all this money on tackle rods, gear, and time scrolling the internet, and they haven't got a formal casting lesson. It's ridiculous. So get a casting lesson. Uh, like I said, it doesn't have to be with me or with us. Just get one. You will benefit. And I'll add this about casting lessons. I mentioned before about how different it was hearing my peers instruct spay casting, not to me, but to the general public, and how much better they were at it because they put a lot of thought into every word and piece of instruction they said a paid instructor is infinitely better than a buddy telling you what to do it's it's way different um it's way different my, my i've got great friends and even my wife and my wife she trusts me as an angler it's not we don't have one of those weird relationships where she takes everything i say as though it's an insult um she just learns better from other people because they have found different words and things to explain and coach her on her casting. So, uh, yeah, getting a paid lesson. It's a big deal. So, uh, the other thing that's going on, uh, our next event is our Trout and Bass Rendezvous. If you missed the Trout Spay Rendezvous, um, you couldn't travel here, you, you just couldn't get here, whatever reason you're not into Trout Spay, our next rendezvous is going to be more like our big grand historical rendezvous that we did 11 years in a row until the pandemic squashed it. We are uh, we're launching that again June 17th, and it's going to be trout and bass oriented, all single-handed stuff. Maybe one little breakout session for Trout's Bay, but... There's going to be a small entry fee because we have to cap this at 150 people. Kids are going to be free, uh, but we're going to have to cap it at 150 people, and we need people carpooling because our parking area at the resort just gets too tight because um, there's people there that are just fishing and doing other regular stuff to addition to the event. June 17th, mark your calendars. I've got a web page up right now. I don't. It's public. You might be able to find it if you search for it, but it's not quite ready yet. But there will be a small fee. It'll be totally reasonable, totally worth it. But you can come get lunch and food and et cetera. That's on Saturday. Tons of clinics on how to go get trout and bass. And we are going to get shoulder to shoulder with the public teaching casting. That is going to be the overwhelming theme of that event is teaching casting. We want you to be good casters. Then on the 18th, we're doing the Father's Day scavenger hunt. Now, you may have heard about this before. We've done these 25 on the fly events which have been much more intense, two days of fishing, long fishing days, very competitive. We tried to say they were not competitive. They were competitive. The scavenger hunt on Father's Day is going to be much more family-friendly. It's no longer like a sanctioned 25 on the fly event, so we're going to have a little bit broader range of activities. We're going to have folks catch and document um, things like bugs and wildlife, and then there's going to be uh, a smaller list of species to catch, and it'll be a one-day event capped off by a barbecue that's included in the cost, and the cost is going way down. It was 300 bucks a team last year. 
I'm shooting to get it down to about 100 bucks a team this year and include the barbecue deal uh, back at the resort where we give away some participation prizes and door prizes, uh, probably a prize for whoever can check off the most species too. There should be there should be uh, you know some type of nugget for those that really get after it. But it's going to be a more family-oriented event. Instead of two-person teams, we're going to do it by family. So you got a big family with a bunch of fishermen, you probably do pretty well. Um, but I'll come out with all the details soon. But mark that, that Father's Day weekend on your calendar. I can't imagine a better weekend to get out here and uh, come visit us, learn a whole bunch of stuff, get inspired, uh, make some new friends in that event. I think that event is one of the best things that we do. It's been very small in the past, and I'm hoping to, to gain a lot more participation this year. So the, the, oh, the women's events were launching April 29th. Okay, so make sure you pick up on that. Watch our website. I'm almost done with the whole program, but it's a very like fun introduction to fly fishing specific to women to get the girls together, uh, people who are uh, like-minded, some shared values in fly fishing, and get the girls out together. And we'll have a whole series of women's programs, including some divide-and-conquer clinics later in the summer that are awesome. So if you're a lady listening to this podcast, you should be stoked about these. It's a great way to uh, build some community there. And uh, if you're uh, one of the guys listening to the podcast, um, mention that's going to start on April 29th. There will be three introductory uh, group courses and then four divide-and-conquer clinics, um, which I'll describe the divide-and-conquer clinics. Basically, we meet at a brewery in the morning, one-hour lesson with the, just the girls, divide into groups of three to four uh, anglers, uh, and then go wade fish the Natchez and Tyatan rivers because those are awesome wade fishing during the summer. Come back a few hours later, have happy hour at the brewery, get some food and drink, talk about your successes and failures, and uh, just enjoy some fellowship uh, with the other ladies in the group that are also uh, fighting that same struggle or enjoying that same adventure that is fly fishing. So um, that's going to happen this summer for us. Finally, we got a good plan and crew uh, to do that. Uh, the other thing, check out our 2024 travel schedule. I got my dates up. Um, I'm going to Patagonia, Cuba, Mexico, probably a couple other places uh, next year. But our 2024 schedule, schedule for travel is pretty well intact. Do our hosted trips. Can't say enough about those. Um, I know those. a lot of people listening are more your blue-collar, younger, hardcore dudes. Someday you'll you'll be able to do that travel stuff. It's not for everybody right now, but the hosted deal is the way to go. It's the best way to ensure that you're getting, um, in my opinion, a good value for your travel. So uh, I think that I want to break down the Trout Spay um, clinic from this weekend and talk about some things I learned and then kind of roll into the kind of some Trout Spay uh, specific tackle things. Okay. So... I think my biggest takeaways from the Trout Spay event this last weekend, and like I said, maybe you're not into Trout Spay yet. That's okay. Just listen anyways. And uh, there's some some things that really jumped out of me as just general fly fishing epiphanies. epiphanies. So there were several key presenters um, that did seminars. I did, I did one seminar, and uh, I'll talk about mine just really briefly first, and that'll help keep me organized for the rest of this. But... I think, and this is true for any streamer fishing presentations, whether, and I don't care whether they're, I don't care whether it's spay fishing or swinging or whatever it is, but with the exception of like highly aggressive brown trout, most trout 
identify prey best when that prey originates on the bottom and comes up from the bottom and begins to swim or move. Crayfish and sculpin don't have air bladders. They live right down on the bottom near that substrate. Those are two of the primary species uh, that these fish are preying on. Uh, fry patterns like uh, here on our local streams, we have a lot of uh, downstream migrating salmon fry. They'll swim up in the water column. But you don't, we don't tend to see as many strikes fishing streamers in the top end of the water column. So when you're wade fishing and you're swinging with a streamer, so I'm standing in a likely spot, I'm pitching my fly and, and ideally a sinking tip out into the river. I'm letting it sink. I'm letting the current pick up tension. And then it swings around in kind of a J, an unrolling J shape, <clears throat> and swims around both across the current and then kind of hovers in the current. If I can create the illusion that that streamer is originating within the rocks or the substrate and then it enters the, the higher water column and the trout sees it pop up from the other side of a, a boulder, let's say, or just a slightly larger rock. And I say that because the fly doesn't actually have to be on the bottom. It just needs to get in that lowest half of the water column so that when it pulls to tension, it looks as though it came from the bottom. And that's the scoop or the lift. And to me in Trout Spay, and I'll talk about this a little bit later in the podcast again, because I think our river, the Yakima Canyon or the Yakima River is unique to this, that you really do have to fish pretty fast sinking tips most of the time to create that illusion. Don't always need weighted flies, but you definitely need to get it down in that bottom third of the water column so that at least it appears as though it originated there. But if you're a trout and you see that fly look as though it broke free from that, that really slow, easy living water within the substrate, comes up in the water column, you're the first trout there, boom, you're going to grab it. couple of tips for that is uh, casting at 90 degrees, using fast sinking tips, and shorter casts. Long casts tend to lift in water that's your fly tends to lift in the water that's really like not that fishy and then by the time it gets to that fishy seam which is usually on the near half of the center stripe of the current the center stripe of the current is often the fastest you know we'll just call it the stripe you know that fast riptide moving down the middle by the time it crosses the riptide now the fly is falling and a sinking fly is like the least fishy thing that there is to a predatory trout the, the things that sink in a river, organic debris, leaves, twigs, sticks, rocks, any junk that just straight up falls in the river. Fly selection doesn't matter nearly as much as presentation, but when it comes to sculpin, there's a couple schools of thought. Um, I'll generally run like a fast, you know, four to six inch per second sink tip and a lightly weighted fly. But there's also some value in running unweighted streamers so that they slither over and around the rocks. Um, and don't get snagged up so that you can create that illusion even better if there's uh, obstructions and you can focus on some of those obstructions. So that was my primary message in my uh, presentation. Um, the next one was uh, Steve Joyce. Um, Steve had a lot of information in his presentation that was really just about fishing the fly and concentrating on spay as a fishing tool and not so much a casting tool. He talked about jigging and casting angle and bringing the fly up and giving it action 
downstream mending to create you know accelerations in slower currents and show that that fish a, a sideways profile of the fly at times when you need to build a little speed uh, for instance so his was much more presentation strategy based i thought it was really really well delivered because we often think about spay as a casting exercise and not a presentation exercise and we can't lose sight of the fact that it's a fishing tool not a casting tool so built to make presentations quick repeatable and easy um, especially in areas with a limited back cast so uh, i thought that was a very good uh, seminar uh, the one that i got the most from no surprise simon gosworth um uh Simon is, uh, he's education and I don't know if you'd call him brand manager at Rio Products, but um, originally from the UK, um, Simon is an accredited competitive caster, you know, FFI certified casting instructor in all ways, I'm sure, um, and just has a knack for breaking down the fly cast in general. I think his single-handed casting skills are somewhat underappreciated because he's an incredible single-handed caster. But his ability to present information and education um, in two-handed casting is second to none, in my opinion. I've watched um, the Rio Modern Spay Casting DVD that came out at least 15 years ago uh, numerous times, and I need to go back and watch it because the information is still highly relevant. It's a great DVD series. In fact, I think uh, I'm going to Google check it right now and see if we still have that on our website and it's like a three dvd set <sighs> no we we no longer uh, have that let me do one more search no we no longer offer that dvd but i'm sure it's out there somewhere i don't care if you i mean i want you to buy your big stuff from us but if you got to go find it somewhere else i'll be it but that dvd is incredible but you know simon's kind of the ringleader of that and there's some other spay gurus on that but Simon's simplicity on talking about the key position, which is like the key position is like you're poised and if you can take your hands or even a pen right now and pretend you have a spay rod if you're sitting at your desk. And that key position is where I've got my bottom hand in place, poised to throw. I've got my top hand in place, poised to throw, in line with my shoulder and my bicep on my strong side and learning how to draw forward in what he calls the translation, which is loading the rod where the rod angle doesn't change, and then and then transition into rotation, which is popping the bottom hand. And popping the bottom hand is a really important portion of that where you don't rotate too soon because that kills your D-loop. And I know I'm probably losing some of you already, but his discussion of the key casting position was absolutely incredible to me because I've never heard anybody break it down and if you use your bottom hand too early in the spay cast you kill your D loop you first have to drive forward and it's subtle but you drive forward with both hands and then the last is popping the bottom hand in towards your your power elbow or in my case my right elbow I'm popping my left hand I'm doing it right now with a pen but I'm popping that at the very end and I thought that his explanation of key position was really key. And there's something that was just, it's true in all space, in fly casting. And I'm, I'm just going to straight poach it. I don't care, Simon, you can come after me later. Um, but is SSFF, start slow, finish fast. And just hearing that, you know, that reiterated that that's also true in spay casting, I thought was really, really helpful. So start slow, finish fast. 
uh, translate, so drive forward with both hands, and then finish with a rotation, which is your bottom hand, and the cast really becomes 90% bottom hand as you finish it. And the 90% is my statistic, um, but I just want to emphasize the bottom hand is really the finishing move that really fires it out. And, uh, and then you bring that bottom hand either into your power elbow or kind of into your belly, so to speak. So that bottom hand, you're consciously coming back with that bottom hand uh, as you rotate. So I thought that was like unbelievably helpful. So I thought that was really, really great. The next day we, we hosted um, a kind of a private clinic that we, we with Simon, uh, that we offered up to some of our, our just kind of, uh, sorry if you didn't get the invite, just some of our really special clients that have demonstrated a, a keen interest in perfecting their two-handed fishing. And so we had um, five spots that we sold to a private all-day trout space school with Simon that following day. And then Steve Joyce, Bogey Bogardis, Munch, um, you probably work with Bogey. He manages all of our fulfillment at Reds. And Steve Joyce and myself, we rode boats and just audited Simon's Trout Space School. And uh, we were just flies on the wall. Um, yeah, we were just flies on the wall and listened. And I know that's hard to believe that I kept my mouth shut, but I did. And I just observed and listened. And then I helped a little bit. Um, where where it made sense to help uh, some of the more you know intermediate level spay casters, but really let Simon do his thing and gosh it was really really excellent um, and I think the biggest takeaway from the casting portion of Simon coaching was just how to develop a good single spay cast and uh, I felt like after I went through that clinic I'd never had a good single spay cast, and I won't claim to have a great single spay cast now, but it's infinitely better than it was based on some very simple teaching mechanisms. And if you're not familiar with the single spay, it's, it, it sounds like it would be intuitively easier than the double spay, but it's not. A snap T is much easier than a single spay. Snap T is the easiest cast for most entry-level spay casters. The single spay requires a little bit more fine timing, but... The advantage to it is it's much faster and it's much quicker touch and go kind of delivery mechanism. And uh, hearing him break down the single spay was really, really helpful. But um, if you're not currently following Simon Gosworth on Instagram or social media, he's kind of new to the social media thing. But I would definitely go do that because without a doubt, you'll find some nuggets of information in there that I found as helpful as the single spay. But uh, he, he had a essentially an acronym, I won't get the acronym quite correct, but it was basically point, climb, ski, touch, go. And the whether you're looking for a good single spay or not, most aren't. That, to me, it's a much more advanced technique. You can catch a lot of fish using snap tees and double spays and, and snake rolls and other casts that I feel are easier. But the takeaway was when you break it down into the parts, and for that one, point, climb, ski, touch, and go. When you can break it down into simple parts, and as long as you get the parts in the right order, the timing, the tempo, and the finer, the finer parts of the cast are going to perfect themselves. Work on the recipe. The final product is going to be okay. Just keep the recipe right. Don't deviate. Don't cheat. Don't eyeball the flour content, the sugar, <laughs> or the soy sauce when you're making when you're baking. All right, just 
follow the recipe, stick with it. The final product will get better as you go. So um, I'm still learning a ton. And I, like I said, I take lessons all the time to, to get better. And I think it's, uh, it, I don't know if it's sad, but I, I think that more people need to engage in, in paid coaching for their casting. Um, I just see a lot of people that are hovering in that real mediocre to neophyte casting prowess for a lot of years in fly fishing. And I, I think we need to get over that and get people good at it so they can have the confidence to go to those faraway places and make plans. Whether I don't care whether it's Montana or it's the Owyhee River um, or the Olympic Peninsula. If you're a good caster, you're probably going to be a lot more willing to point that car in the direction of some water and go there and, uh, and live out some crazy great adventures, um, hopefully with some catching involved too. So... I thought the uh, the single span structure was great. Um, the other thing, two things that were uh, great at the the event were Patrick Kilby. Um, he's head fly designer at Rio Products, and Patrick is one heck of a fisherman. Quiet dude, humble dude, just an unbelievable wealth of knowledge. And uh, his presentation, I my name was also on the docket. Um, I thought because we're at Reds, we might get a few more people there if I introduced Patrick and kicked it off. And I talked for all about 45 seconds or a minute and then handed it off to Patrick because his trout spay knowledge and abilities um, based on his uh, just fishing pedigree in Oregon, fishing for a lot of summer steelhead and uh, trout too, of course, and uh, his knowledge of trout spay flies and setups. Um, and he works for Rio, which is part of the Far Bank Enterprise Group. That's Sage Rio Reddington, and so he gets the opportunity to collaborate with all of those branches. But uh, yeah, his his setup strat, his setup for presenting small flies and soft tackles and using two fly rigs uh, was just something we we haven't gotten good at at Reds. It's not really been in our culture. We've had kind of that big sculpin culture. And that big stream culture in our, our swinging and trout spay um, lineup. And we just haven't gotten good at swinging those small bugs. Now, uh, the, the takeaway there is I heard every presenter say that. I heard Tom Larimer say this, Simon Gosworth, and George Cook, and Patrick Kilby. All non-Reds contributors to the event. They all said, you wanna, if you want to stick with trout spay and get good numbers of fish and be productive, you have to be swinging soft tackles and small flies. Trout just eat more small flies. There's just more bites. There's more hookups. If you're an accomplished fisherman, imagine nymph fishing without a number 16 pheasant tail. I'm just going to make up a nymph, a small beadhead nymph, okay? Uh, imagine nymphing with without that, where you only had to use a number four stonefly nymph all the time. That's what we've done with our spay fishing is, we're just, we can't think outside the scope, and we need to start doing that if we want to get more trout. So I'm going to be on a bit of an odyssey this year to get better at swinging small flies and become more effective at swinging small flies because I want to get good at swinging soft tackles during, and it sounds easy, okay? Oh, a lot of people are out there. Oh, gosh, that's just easy. Just cast the current, let it come tight and go through. There is way more to it. Simon, uh, Simon Gosworth on uh, in that private trout spay clinic went through presentation strategies of agitating and gyrating soft tackles to pulse fibers, uh, shortening the line as you do it to create lifting illusions um, of the fly, 
really went through a lot of presentation strategies, even throwing them back upstream and agitating those soft tackles in order to make them gyrate and flex the fibers. There's lifting presentations like I talked about earlier. Patrick Kilby talked about using essentially what amounts to more like a Euro rig where there's an anchor heavy fly on the bottom and soft swinging, you know, slow swinging those uh, caddis pupa and things to create the illusion of lifting caddis pupa and mayflies. There's a lot more to it. And I got to admit, I'm by no means an accomplished angler and expert in that soft tackle game, but I am going to get better at it because I heard every one of those guys bring skills from, you know, Tom Larimer, you know, multi-decade guide on the Deschutes, then Patrick and Simon and George and all these guys that have fished a lot of other places. Talk about that. That's enough for me. I'm going to get better at it and get good at it. But I did uh, I did go through and watch how they set everything up and fished them on Sunday. Uh, I got two fish on that on Sunday, but that's no means uh, no means a stairway to success. But, man, that Sunday we fished. The water was cold. I think it peaked at like 43 degrees. It was just freezing cold. So I think we get waters up in the 50s and 60s, that little soft tackle game on a on a sink tip uh, on a tight line. is going to be pretty badass. Um, I'm going to make a much more concerted effort. And the other thing, too, on top of this is if you're a podcast listener, you're probably a do-it-yourself angler. The spay thing is important for you to know about because it's best done on foot, not being rowed in a guided boat. You get to stand on the shore or in the water on public land, cast flies on foot, no clack of craft necessary. So I think it's important for you to have knowledge of it because of those facts. Uh, the other thing is that Squala Gear, the Squala Gear Fishing Company, were continue to be impressed. They came, Kevin Sloan, CEO and founder of Squala Gear, um, came all the way from Bozeman, Montana out uh, and brought all the Squala Gear and all the kits. And we learned a ton about just, you know, absolute top-end tactical clothing. You know, fly fishing is one of those unique sports where you have a high level of exposure to both water and sun all in one. And uh, what they're doing with textiles and cutting edge materials and waders is pretty awesome. And uh, I could go on and on about it, but I'll just say that my experience with Squala thus far has been pretty damn eye-opening. In fact, I'm wearing... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the Squala Fusion uh, hybrid jacket right now, and I'm indoors, and the stuff breathes so incredibly well that you don't perspire in it. It breathes. The moisture transfer in their waders is incredible. Um, yeah, learned. I could go on and on about it. I just say check out that Squala gear. Like if you want to, if you want to buy something that's really really nice, and you want to do it once, and you want stuff that you like. And it's going to last and you're just going to grab it and you can't put your finger on why you're more comfortable in it and you like it better. Just give the Squala gear a try. Give it a shot. Um, because once people buy into it and they wear it, they love it and they're going to want more of it. So I just say having Kevin come all the way from Bozeman to kind of give both customers and our crew a run through on what makes their products unique and different and extremely fly fishing centric. There's lots of little things built into these products. I'm not going to bore you to death with, you know, zipper location, pocket style and size, um, and all that. Uh, I'll just let you discover for yourself. Buy a piece, uh, and I, I'm sure that you'll love it, and you'll be back. Uh, 
Regarding child space setups and techniques, I'm going to go on for just a few more minutes and I'm just going to give you a couple little pieces of advice if you're thinking about setting up space stuff. Number one, uh, it's a do-it-yourself, it's a very do-it-yourself friendly. It's wade fishing oriented, you don't need a boat, it works great. It's not essential to cast a long ways, don't fall into that trap, that'll actually be very counterproductive. Skagit style casting is the easiest and most simple form of casting in my opinion because it's very, very slow to develop. As a beginner, get a Skagit style line system, get a moderate priced trout spay rod. You can spend a grand if you want, I won't stop you, but you can probably get a Reddington Dually uh, or an Echo TR2. There's a whole bunch of very affordable trout spay rods out there. Get a, get a Skagit line system. Get an integrated Skagit line system. That's easy. That way you don't have to worry about loop-to-loop -loop connections or any of that. Just ch use the live chat feature on our site um, if you need to pair up grain weights. The Rio um, Minimax systems uh, are really great because they actually say the weight of the trout spay rod that it's paired up with. You don't have to worry about getting confused with grain weights. And then you get a few sync tips. Skagit line systems do need sync tips in order to function with them. But you get some Mo Rio Mo light tips for your mini max system. It's really easy to put it together. Um, but the main thing is it's cast, mend, swing. That's that's what it is. So you make your cast. There's lots of information out there on basic casting. Just go slow with your casting. If you're a bullwhip, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> very wrong. But cast, men swing, and and that's it. And then step downstream. Cast, men swing, step downstream. Smaller flies are better. Little itty bitty streamers like a wounded sculpin, that's on our website. The boo face, that's on our website. The gold jigger, that's a great one because it's rides hook up. It doesn't snag bottom much. That's a great fly to swing. But don't worry about the catching. Just get good at the method, the cast, men, swing, step, cast, men, swing, step. Uh, in fact, there's a YouTube video. A lot of people have seen it. It's got like 30-some thousand views already that I did a month ago. And uh, I don't catch any fish, so don't get your hopes up. It was miserably, miserably cold that day. My hands were numb. It was, it was chipping ice out of the guides between takes. Uh, but I, I had a really good camera guy. Um, go through with me and that outlines swinging streamers in cold water and those cold water tactics still work in warm water but but they really do have to be employed during the cold water season but that cast men swing system if you like it you enjoy it it's simple there's no bobbers there's no split shot you start with a single fly rig there's less tangles if you enjoy it you're probably going to get good at it and if you get good at it you're going to catch fish the catching will remedy itself Cast men step swing. It's a really straightforward program. And I can't encourage enough because it's do DIY friendly. That trout spay, that trout spay fishing is a really good thing. Especially if you fish alone. It's a great way to just pop in the river. Enjoy a half day of swinging. Just make sure that you're in walking speed currents or faster. Ignore the back eddies. Skip through those. Don't cast too far. Just cast the head plus 10 or 15 feet of line on those little Skagit rigs and you will do just fine. So get out there, get it. Hopefully you got some information out of this. Get a little bit inspired to go do the swinging thing or the trout spay thing. If you're not ready to invest in the whole rod, you can Skagit cast with your old 9 foot 5 weight or 9 foot 6 weight single handed spay as a thing too. Just use the live chat on our 
on our website. It really works. We staff somebody on that every single day. They're usually back to you within two minutes. If not, we will get back to you. I promise. It's very, very good. So with that said, I hope to see you out there swinging a fly later this spring. Thanks for listening, folks. And as always, shop at Red's. If you need some gear, I'm out.